This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. I am Trey Rowland. I am here with Dane Draper, the knowledge master extraordinaire. And it is a rivalry week edition of Know Thy Enemy, presented by Knowles 24-7, Beyond the Bench. Dane, are the, the, the blood pumping, the juice is flowing. Uh, are, are you ready? Are you ready to strike anything orange and blue at all? Oh, yeah, Trey. I'm fired up, man. Fired up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I can feel your energy, and now it's coursing through my veins. Guys, it's a big week for Mike Norvell in the program. Had a nice quarterback commit at the start of the week. We want to keep that energy flowing against the, against a Florida Gator team that I guess if I can think of one word to say about them, it's erratic, right? They've got great potential, but it hasn't necessarily shown up in all their games. They've got a 6-5 and five record on the year. They've got wins against Utah, which is impressive still to this day. USF, Eastern Washington, Missouri, Texas A&M, those four, honestly, nothing really to write home about. Uh, a win against a South Carolina team that just took down Tennessee. So that was impressive. They beat them. And then they lost to pretty much who you think they'd lose to this year. Tennessee, LSU, and Georgia, they lost to the class of the SEC. But the L's in there that really are eye-opening are those lost to Kentucky, which has gotten worse as I think the season's got on. And that last week lost to Vanderbilt right before, right before they play FSU, they go to Nashville and they lose to the Commodores. Dane, do you see the same kind of inconsistencies and erratic play that I have that is kind of defining this Florida team? Definitely, yeah. It's like really on both sides of the ball, too. I mean, the biggest position of football, quarterback, like that's been about as inconsistent as you could be. But kind of overall with the team, a, kind of a high upside team, they're pretty talented overall, but definitely inconsistent, like you're saying. Yeah, man. And you had guys like A.J. McCarron saying that Anthony Richardson was the second coming of Vince Young in like week one and week two. And it's like, well, A.J., I like you. I don't think you're a terrible commentator, but there's good Anthony and there's bad Anthony. And man, it's been good Florida and bad Florida. So how that's kind of hashed out throughout the year is uh, S&P Plus, those opponent adjusted tempo adjusted metrics that we use as just kind of a gauge. I'll be honest with you. I think they're a little bit off this year, but at least it gets you within striking distance. They have the University of Florida as the 39th best team overall, 23rd best offense in the country, which, like I said, maybe, maybe when they're, maybe when it's good, Anthony, maybe. A 71st ranked defense, not a very good defense at all. Conversely, that same metric has Florida State 24th overall with the 41st best offense and the 27th best defense. I would say that Florida State is definitely playing better on offense uh, than top 40, in my opinion. We're top 20, top 25 offense depending on some metrics, yards for play, they got us in the top 10. So like I said, number's not perfect. At least it gets you in striking distance. It's got the two teams sort of similar. As far as like yardage per game, Florida's offense, 33rd in total offense, 440 yards per game. Rushing attack is very, very good. They rank 15th in the nation, about 209 yards per game. Through the air, not quite as strong. Uh, let's say about 230 yards per game. That's 67th in the country. And as far as like the scoring offense, 47th best in the entire nation with about 31 yards per game. 
Dane, anything about that Gators offense that sticks out to you? I mean, they're they're a unit, especially when Richardson can use his legs, that is dangerous. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, they're they're more of a running team, right? They're definitely like run first. You have more talent uh, in that backfield, including Richardson's legs, and I think you do on the outside. Honestly, mm-hmm. they they remind me a lot of um, of FSU last year. Um, Ooh. And how they are a run first team in that way, but also the way their offense plays, like uh, they kind of live and die by by chunk plays, by the explosive plays. They aren't really particularly good on down to down success rate, um, especially in passing. But they are really really explosive on both sides of the ball. Really, or not both sides, but um, but through the air and on the ground, especially right. on the ground. And I think that that inconsistency where we and where we've seen it sometimes, even as Florida State fans this year, they're very, they're very bad in the red zone. They're very poor when they don't have all that space to work with. They're a 119th in the nation. They're just converting for points on 75% of their trips. They've got uh, 36 scores and 48 attempts in the red zone, 29 touchdowns. Um, That's not great, which you wouldn't. For an offense that's so highly rated by the advanced metrics, I really think that that they've been able to convert and take advantage of explosive plays. Luckily, now you're playing a defense. Florida State's forte all year has been to limit explosive plays, maybe at the um, at the expense of stringing together long drives. But I mean, if I, I got to think that Adam Fuller is going to try to bet on Florida trying to have good Anthony Richardson and execute over and over again and not give up 80-yard touchdowns. Make them drive, make them drive, make them drive, and then when they get to the red zone, hopefully they just puke all over themselves like they have so far this year. Defensively, it's a bad defense, in my opinion. They're allowing 27 points a game. That's 77th in the nation. Opposing offenses, they're averaging about 409 yards per game. That's 98th in the country. Teams are finding, I mean, when you see those type of total stats, that means that they're giving up a lot of yards everywhere. About 237 yards to the air, 86th in the country. And on the ground, they're even worse somehow, averaging 172 yards per game allowed, 92nd in the country. That defense is going to be in some trouble against that Florida State rushing attack, my man. That's what those numbers tell me, at least. Yeah, no, you got to agree. You got to think that's somewhere where FSU can attack. They've been so good on the ground. I mean, that's stuff you have written down. I, I'm looking at kind of like four base stats that cover like all of how, uh, you know, you need to be good at one of these things. At least I have in yards per rush allowed Florida's 96th in yards per attempt allowed. They're a hundredth and third down defense. They're 127th. So kind of, there's nothing you know. that they're like, you got to at least pick one. Yeah. And then, and, and then, then you... in sack rate, they're 95th. So Oh, man. So we'll get to that one. We'll, we'll get to the defense, too, because that's a defense that hasn't been playing very well that's also possibly missing one of their best players for a half, depending on, depending on what the SEC does. But let's go through the offense first because I think that it's a clear mismatch, Florida State's offense against Florida's defense. We'll get to, we'll get to that here in a second. But let's talk about the Florida offense because I find that to be the far more intriguing matchup against an Adam Fuller defense that's, that's healthier, playing really, really well but also playing against some teams where their effectiveness has been limited by the starting personnel at quarterback. So let's start with Anthony Richardson. He's a physical specimen. He's about six foot three and a half, 232 pounds. Uh, and he's explosive. Uh, we talked about the inconsistency. He's got about a 56% completion percentage on the air, 
2,300 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, eight pick. Uh, he does have 600 yards on the ground and nine rushing touchdowns. That's tied for the team lead. However, that completion percentage, 95th in the entire country. Um, but conversely to that, 14 passing yards per completion. That's sixth in the nation. So to me, Dane, he sprained it all over the place, but he's also able to connect with some really big throws. Is that what you see too when you look at his game? Definitely, yeah. I mean, having a, about a 56% completion percentage and that being that low down in the national rankings, but he has a 7.99 yards per attempt. That's 40th, and that's what you're talking Crazy. about with the yards per reception there. It's it's like I said, by living and dying on chunk plays, you know, they're, they're pretty poor on success rate on the ground and through the air, but especially through the air. But they ended up looking like if you're looking at EPA, that sort of thing that mm-hmm. rounds everything together. Um, they're kind of an average passing attack because they do get enough chunk plays to accommodate or to compromise that stat. Something yeah, like to, that. yeah, to kind of inflate it, right? You're not hitting yeah. a lot of plays, but the plays you're hitting are for literal points. Like you're you're hitting That's huge, right. highly valuable plays, but all you got to do with those explosives, if you can find some way to limit it, man, that offense is in trouble. It, it, it's in trouble, right? Yeah, Especially with those is. red zone woes. And is it? There's been at least complaints that I've seen online that Florida is not running enough with Anthony Anthony Richardson. I saw it a lot after the Vanderbilt game, and it's been a constant complaint at times. Do you see that? Do you see that as well? Do you think that he's being underutilized by Billy Napier? I mean, he runs. He has 84 runs on the year, like designed. It's runs, a lot, right? Including <laughs> scrambles, but yeah, if you take out the sacks, it's 84. That seems like a lot. It's easily. I mean, it's just under like Montreux Johnson and Trevor Etienne. They're two main backs. It's Trevor Etienne is 91 carries in the year, and I don't think people are saying he's being underutilized. And you know, Richardson's just under that. And but Montreux, he is an absolutely. It, he, he is an absolutely elite runner. I mean, he. You, like I said, when you take out the the sack yardage, he's just under 700 yards on the year, and he averages 8.2 a carry. And he's a 51% success rate when he's running as well. I mean, he is explosive, and he's an elite runner for sure. I think it's just he's so successful. I just want to see it more because when you lay the numbers out, minus the sacks, he ran about 80 times. Montrell Johnson, their lead back, he ran 127 times. ETN has run for 93. They run the ball a lot. It's just they can't run they can't run Richardson every play. So I think we'll we'll see what happens with Florida State, who did have some trouble uh, in the year containing some mobile quarterbacks at times. I thought they did a pretty good job with Jaden Daniels. I thought Malik Cunningham ripped them to shreds a little bit more. But Malik's a different runner than Anthony Richardson. I'd say that he's more agile, quicker, and and Richardson's a powered runner. He does have good speed. But he's a power runner, and he's really going to test the tackling ability of the secondary and Florida State's linebackers. So do you do you see anything else about Anthony Richardson other than, I mean, how do, you, how do you think the Florida State should defend him, Dane? Just try to contain him in the pocket? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of – I mean, he's – I don't want to say he's run first. He has such a high ceiling as a passer, too. I mean, Adam Fuller said his – and the media availability today that he can throw throw the ball 75 yards like he's someone to worry about everywhere on the field but he's definitely more prolific as a runner and far more consistent as a runner and that's what you gotta shut down first i agree and he definitely yeah. he, he threw that ball about 75 yards into the uh 45th <laughs> during that hail mary against vanderbilt so his arm strength is unquestioned so it's just Gotta keep him contained try to make him hit those short throws and force an inconsistent player to be consistent Limit explosives. 
I, I think that's honestly, I think that's fairly obvious. Much easier said than done. We'll see if we can execute. Moving on to the running backs, extremely talented room. You've got Montrell Johnson. He's leading the way. 742 yards, nine touchdowns, five foot eleven, 218 pounds, only 11 catches out of the backfield. So not a huge receiving threat. 10 touchdowns on the year. Um, and then you've also got Trevor Etienne. I know that name sounds familiar. He's the brother of Travis. Uh, he's got about 570 rushing yards, five touchdowns, too. He leads Florida with 876 all-purpose yards on the season. He's a huge threat in the kick return game. Very talented running back room for the Gators. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then there's Naquan Wright, too, but he's, his usage has really dropped off as the season's gone on. But, I mean, the duo of Johnson and ETN, both of those guys are definitely scary. Like, they're they're both kind of the full package, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Montreal Johnson, he comes from Louisiana. He transferred in with Billy Napier. Um, he's a 5'11", 218, a bigger back. He's a load. Yep, yeah. for sure. And, and so is ETN, honestly. I mean, he's a, he's a true freshman. 5'9", 217, also a really... I mean, that's a real stout build. You like to say fire hydrant. I'd agree there. <laughs> but he's really quick and explosive. I mean, he has long speed. Like, he ran a 80-something yard touchdown, something like that, a couple weeks ago. Like, he does have that home run hitting speed. He's, to me, Trevor Etienne specifically is, like, the scariest player on that offense outside of Richardson. Yeah, so it's... And what do you what do you make of what do you make of the offensive line of Florida? Obviously, it's very productive on the ground. Is that because of their offensive line? Is that in spite of the offensive line? They've got pretty low sack numbers, honestly. Opponents throughout the year, just twelve sacks against Florida, uh, and that's that's eleven in the nation, just allowing one sack per game. They're fifteenth in the nation in tackles for loss allowed. That's about four tackles for loss per game. Obviously, a lot of that Florida State, we know that because we have Jordan Travis who has helped avert a lot of that pressure. We, we turned that pressure away from sacks. Is it the same thing that Florida's doing or do they have a pretty good offensive line? What do you make of the Florida offensive line, Dane? It, it is kind of similar. Like, like Anthony Richardson's pretty good at avoiding sacks and they also run a little bit, a, a bit more than they pass like Florida state does as well. But yeah, no, they have some talent there. Um, all of their starters, are, are guys that have graded 70 plus on PFF, like have graded pretty well in PFF. So they're kind of solid across the board there. If you're just looking at that, at least. Um, mm-hmm. So seemingly no big weaknesses, but uh, Cyrus Torrance is, he's the highest graded offensive guard in, uh, in the country by PFF. He's a 90.6 rating. That's elite. Ooh, yeah. Um, legitimate high level NFL prospect too. Right. 
Definitely, yeah. He's never allowed a sack in his whole career, and he's going to leave after this year to go to the NFL. He came with Billy Napier again to uh, from Louisiana. So he's someone to worry about there. But overall, yeah, it's a solid unit. I don't think there's any big weaknesses. All the guys along that line have played a ton. They've been pretty much the starters throughout the year. They've only had like two other guys with any sort of significant snaps at all throughout the year. So it's really a, a well-put-together unit and a unit that's played enough together at this point where I don't think any big weaknesses would be would be noteworthy. No, it'll be- It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see Adam Fuller also once he's going to limit explosives, but he might have to bring some pressure to speed up Richardson's clock this week just because that offensive line's so solid. I mean, Florida has played Georgia. They have played LSU. They've played some pretty good defensive lines. Florida State's is as well. We'll see if they can do something that most other teams couldn't this year and get consistent pressure on the quarterback. They are healthy and they have been disruptive. This will be a nice test for them. On the outside, what do we make of, what do we make of Florida's receivers? Uh, one of their leading receivers, Ricky Pearsall, uh, I believe he was a transfer in this year. He was banged up against Vanderbilt. We're not really sure about his availability, but what do you think about Florida's talent on the outside before we move over to the defense? Yeah, it's not not as great as it is in running in the backfield. Um, no, not even close. I mean, Pearsall would be is easily one of like their top three receivers, and losing him would be huge. Like you said, transfer he transferred from Arizona State, but he did get hurt against Vandy. That would be a huge loss. Um, the other two main guys are Justin Shorter and Xavier Henderson. Henderson also is, I mean, at least questionable. He might even be ruled out that I just missed somehow. But he missed Vanderbilt, and that's the guy that leads them and, and catches on the year 38. So that would be another big loss. If they had no Pearsall, no Henderson, um, they're really, as far as like starting caliber guys, just left with Justin Shorter. Shorter. Um, yeah, he's 6'4", 223. He's a lot of athletic ability. He's kind of been looked at as a few years as a guy with a really high athletic ceiling or just ceiling period, but he's kind of struggled with consistency. This year he is a 59% catch rate, and that's the lowest of those primary targets for them. Um, definitely a big play threat. So he's someone to worry about too, but he's never been – not that I know, but he's never really like taken over a game like he's probably capable of doing. Um and then behind them, like if, you know, the guys you would see besides them, wide receiver, there's there's Marcus Burke, who's a second-year guy, uh, Dejon Reynolds, Caleb Douglas, and yeah, I, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Go ahead. Give uh, it a shot, buddy. Ty Chia Cow Bowman. <laughs> You know what? I think you nailed it. Uh, the Dejon Riddle kid, he had a pretty good game against Vanderbilt, too, so maybe he's going to step up with the increased playing time. But, yeah, if those two kids are hurt, if Henderson's hurt, if Pearsall's hurt, it's really Justin Shorter who, like you said, inconsistent, huge big play threat. He's averaging about 20 yards per catch. So if mm-hmm. he could just – clearly he's somebody that is a deep threat specialist that they're targeting. But um, if you can contain him, it's – like you said, it's, it's not that formidable of a passing attack. Yeah, we'll it's a see lot of if that changes. It's a lot of size there too. The guys that I mentioned, the guys behind them. I mean, shorter included, but it's also a lot of inexperience and um, and not a ton of production because of that. So, so yeah. speaking to not of a ton of production, let's talk about that Florida defense, man. What um, I guess we can start with what what, what do you think they're best at as far as defending the pass, defending the run? Uh, I, I guess defending the pass maybe by a coin flip. I don't think they're great at either. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out earlier, and I don't think they're 
good enough at anything to even say. I think they're just really <laughs> bad on defense. I mean, I'm looking at like success rate, you know, EPA, all what this stuff. What is that, by the way? What is their success rate allowed? I mean, I figure it's got to be high. They're, like you said, bottom like 100 and like defending the run. So. Yeah. It, the overall defensive success rate, it's 93 nationally. Um, against the pass, it's 96. Against the run, it's 81st. So, okay. and success so mid. rate. Yeah. I'll, I would say a little lower than mid, but. Uh, <laughs> I'd say bad. Yeah, below the yeah, mid. Yeah, that's pretty call. bad, man. And then, like, against the run, I, I said 81st in success rate, but if you look at EPA, you're looking at all more together. Um, I mean, total EPA, they're 114th against the run. So, oh, goodness. I mean, no, they're just they're just a really poor defense. A decent talent, not special talent, but decent talent. Some guys that were looked at before the year as, you know, big breakout candidates, that sort of thing. I think just none of that has really come to fruition. And, you know, first year defensive coordinator, it just hasn't gone well. No, I, I don't I don't think it has either. And they're missing. I guess well, we can just start at the at the front. And I guess I use mid as like the kids say mid now. My wife is like uh, she's an elementary school teacher. So if something's bad, they say it's just mid. Oh, but yeah, yeah, it's actually okay. worse than mid. So I, I apologize for anybody that's my age or older. I shouldn't be using that vernacular. But, yeah, I, I used it as the kids call mid, which is way worse. So let's just start <laughs> on the front. Um. I don't know. I don't think he's their best player, but I want to start with that nose tackle, Desmond oh, yeah. Watson, who's six foot five and four hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, that I've, I haven't really watched the kid play, but every time I look at him, I am marvelled that somebody that large can find equipment big enough, and he's actually like athletic enough to make a huge impact on the football field. That's a large individual. What do you make of Florida State's? I mean, sorry, of Florida's defensive line. Sorry, listeners. What do you make of Florida's defensive line? And am I just mesmerized size of the Des Watson kid? And is there somebody else that I should actually probably pay attention to more on that defensive line? There's there's other guys for sure, but man, no, Watson's a good player, dude. I mean, he's the second highest rated defender on that defense. Good, PSF. okay, good. He he's is, not just bulk. No, he's not bulk. I mean, he is uh, certainly bulk, but um, but no, <laughs> not just bulk. He plays a lot of snaps for them. I expected, like, looking into this team, I expected to see him is more of like a, a role player, you know, more of mm-hmm. a first down kind of guy or just or third and short kind of guy, you know. Um, but no, I mean, he played 32 snaps last week. He's played 124 snaps the last four weeks, which goes to a point that I'm going to make soon here on the defensive line. But he's definitely Ooh. a good player. Um, I mean, he starts for nose tackle, gets plenty of snaps there. Other guys definitely, I mean, they have a decent rotation as you do. Um in college football on the defensive line, like you'll see behind him, behind him on the depth chart is Chris McClellan. That's a really talented freshman they have. His, his usage has gone up throughout the year. He's only, he only weighs 305 pounds. Oh yeah. He's just a little guy, (laughs) (laughs) but there's, there's McClellan. And then there's, there's Jalen Lee, there's Tyreek Sapp. And then the other starter at the other defensive end spot or defensive tackle spot um, would be Gervon Dexter, and he was—he's definitely looked at as one of those guys that, before the season, could be maybe the best defensive tackle in college football, or up there certainly. And he hasn't really become that. I mean, I'm no, that's very pretty safe to say. I think. Yeah, it, it, it really, and the—I mean, the kid is still very talented, but sure. the, the type of attention that he's garnered hasn't—I—I I, I forgot he was on the team for a little bit, and I don't. I don't think that's necessarily due to his level of play. I just I don't think the stuff that he's doing on a very bad defense is very eye popping. So I don't know if that's 
if he's nursing an injury. I don't know if he's not being utilized correctly. I don't know if it's an effort thing. Obviously, that's something that we're going to have to take a look at. But the other guys, too, I mean, it's just not a super talented defensive. Well, let me take that back. It's a talented defensive line. It's not a super productive defensive line. Their number one sack getter on the year is, oh, boy, Princely Uman Milan, who's only got three and a half sacks and eight tackles for loss. That's I, I don't know. I don't I don't find that to be very impressive. So it's just like I said, they've, they've got some talent there. It's probably flashed at times, but you're going up against a meat grinder of a Florida State rushing attack and a Florida State offensive line that has been playing really well these past couple of weeks against some some defenses and some defensive lines that aren't too shabby, man. That Louisiana defense that Florida State ran all over is considerably better than this Florida defense, in my opinion. So what yeah. what what, is, what point were you about to make about that uh, Florida defensive line before we moved to the linebackers? Oh, yeah, thank you. I, would have I got you, buddy. That. Don't worry about Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, like you said or you mentioned about the Louisiana defense or just the past games Florida State's played, um, the starters have gotten to rest a ton. And on the interior of that defensive line, really defensive line at all, that's really important. With all those big guys, it's a big deal to get some rest. Um, Like FSU in the last – or the main two guys that I'll note for Florida State, like Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper, your two starters there in the interior, the guys that you'd want to rest probably, especially Cooper, Mm -hmm. who's, you know, quite large himself. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Lovett, had, Lovett had 14 snaps against Louisiana, and he's had 86 in the last four weeks. That's crazy. That's so. That's just the team taking care of business and resting yeah. their big guys on a short week. It's a short week. <laughs> Definitely. And then Cooper's had six. Or he had 16 reps, 16 snaps um, last week, and 89 in the past four weeks. So both similarly, you know, not used much, well rested, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Florida, on the other hand, like Desmond Watson, has played 32 snaps just against Vanderbilt. And he's played 124 snaps in the last four weeks. So considerably, significantly used more. That's like a full game more than our two guys. And he weighs 415 pounds. So that's got to wear you down. Gervon Dexter, the other guy who has who really dominates the snap count in that um, defensive tackle room, he had 43 snaps versus Vanderbilt, Oof. which is a, a ton for a guy that size. Yeah, he's absolutely. He's 312, and he's had 190 in the last four weeks. Oh, my goodness, man. More than double. More than double mm-hmm. our guys. And Desmond Watson, his snaps are like dog snaps. With 400 pounds, each snap is like seven. So those guys are gas, right, on a short yeah. week? They're beat up. I thought that was a good point to bring up just because that I is mean, a good point. It's, it, they might really be beat up, and, and if they aren't, you know, if that isn't a super big deal, at least our guys are more rested. I just think that'll that could matter, especially because Florida State's run defense is just significantly better than Florida's to begin with. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, it's it's a beat up unit that hasn't really been that good when they're healthy. So great, that's a really great point, Dan. Especially when you compare it to Florida State's usage. I mean, that's the value of getting your business done early and setting your starters. It's injuries and it's wear and tear. So that's a great point to make. Let's move to the, a level back. Let's talk about the linebackers. I think the first thing you, you got to talk about, the second leading uh, tackler on the team, Ventrell Miller, he um he got ejected for targeting second half against Vanderbilt. He's expected to miss the first half against Florida State. We think that'll stick. I think that some people were saying that they could appeal it to the conference. Those crooked Southeastern, uh, Southeastern no good peeps. We'll see if they appeal it to try to sneak one over on the uh, – the pristine and have never cheated in our entire lives, gentlemen of the ACC. 
we'll see what they do, but I guess we can expect Ventrell Miller to be out. And if he is out, Dane, who's there at linebacker? What do you think of the unit? Yeah, um, I don't think they're super great outside of Ventrell Miller. Like, I think he's definitely the best player they have there, at least this year. Like, I think Derek Wingo will probably play in place of Miller in that first half. Mm -hmm. Um, And he hasn't played much this year. Um, but more lately, and he had a he had his best game of the year against Vanderbilt last week. Um, he had a really good game. He had like an 86 PFF grade. Oh, that uh, was good. But it was only on 12 snaps, so I don't know how much to take from okay. that. Okay, sample size. Yep, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a guy that I think he'll um, I think he'll slide in there. I saw some players talking about Miller and whether he's out or not, and they seem to think he'd be there. If he if it wasn't Derek Wingo, I would think it'd be Shamar James, who is a true freshman for them. He's like third on the team and, and snap count at linebacker. Very he talented. plays more behind the other main starter. That is Amari Bernie. But Shamar James is definitely, he was a big recruit. He was one of the big late additions they had when Napier was, was brought on. And, uh, and yeah, so he could be used even more in Miller's absence. Um, so there's Ventro Miller, then Wingo. And then at the other linebacker spot, there's Amari Bernie and Shamar James, but Amari Bernie, Nothing super special there. He's definitely the starter. Um, 60 PFF grade on the year. Oof. That is and, mid. I can use that correctly. Yeah. Mid. There you go. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Bernie and Miller are also both seniors. I think that's worth noting because the other two guys are much less experienced. Mm. And not having Miller out there could pose a problem especially i mean miller he's the leader of that defense he's been described as the heartbeat of that defense like having him out for a half is a big deal he's also really productive you know 74 tackles in the year or whatever but that's a big deal to lose that guy he's your he's your leader there it's a big deal too because mike norvell if there's one thing he can do he can attack that second level especially with the way that trey benson Treshawn ward coming back having a nice bounce back game lawrence tofili out of the backfield He's going to attack you running. He's going to attack you with the blocking scheme. He's going to attack you in the misdirection. He's going to attack you coming out of the backfield, especially with the screen game. So, like, Florida State's tight ends, while not extremely talented, they've been pretty productive, man. Marcus and Douglas and Cameron McDonald, and Mike's going to scheme some stuff up. It could be a rough day for Florida's unit if they don't get Miller back in some, like, I don't know, some some bullcrap fake like reversal of suspension that would never happen in our conference, but I could totally see happening in this game. Moving to the backfield. What do you think of Florida's defensive backs? I'm going to imagine based on everything else we've said, I don't think they're probably that good either. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a safe thing to say. I, I think the, the best player back there is probably Rashad Torrance. And uh, he's a safety for them. He's a third year player. He's a second year starter for them. Uh, he leads the team in tackles with 76. Oh, he's also qu- he's also questionable for this game. Um, he might oh, miss man. it. He, he got hurt in the first half against Vanderbilt. He had a lower body injury there. So if that's a guy they don't have, that would be another really big loss. I mean, he's definitely one of the more valuable guys on that defense overall. Um, the other starter there is Trey Dean. I've seen – a lot of people on Twitter complain about him. I don't know how valid that is, but hey, he, he hasn't he's got been a great as good. name. Yeah, leave the trays alone. We're good. <laughs> he hasn't been as good as Torrance, though. I don't think he's uh he's been around for a while. He's never been super good. Just talking from a PFF standpoint, at least. But he's six three two two oh seven. He's a bigger body there. I think he has some athletic upside. I mean, he's he's been getting significant playing time for five years now, and. I don't think he's ever been 
fantastic. But um, but outside of Torrance and Dean, like if Torrance is out, it would be Kamario Wilson playing there for him. Um, he's another guy like Shamar James, where he was a really big recruit, a big time, like signing day, late edition, surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposed to go to Georgia and then ended up going to Florida. He's like a borderline five-star kid. So really good. Um, but if he is the starter there, I mean, that's to me, that's somewhere you have to exploit or you can look to exploit that freshman there. He played a ton against Vanderbilt more than anywhere, anywhere else this year. Any other game in the absence of Torrance? How did he uh, do? He had a sixty or a sixty PFF grade. So mid, again, mid, mid. Uh, <laughs> in, in fifty four snaps. Um, so yeah, <laughs> not not anything special, and no, a true freshman no. there. So somewhere you can look to exploit, especially in the absence of Rashad Torrance, if he is out. I mean, I think like Ventral Miller being talked about is you know him being out of the first half. And, Norvell being great at scheming up points in the first half. All that aside, like Rashad Torrance would be another huge loss. Yeah, especially with how active he is in the tackling game, man, with Florida State. And that's one thing. Not only is Florida State's running backs going to punish you and cause, like, you're going to have to have tough tackles. Florida State's wide receivers are so physical, too, man. There's so many broken Johnny Wilson, Malik McClain, Micah Pittman catches I can see in my head for points. So with that being said, and I really had fun saying the word mid. I wish I would have adopted that way earlier in Null by Enemy. That's what we'll do for season 2.0. Let's get to the predictions. Dane, are you ready, or would you like me to talk a little bit to give you some time? I think I think you should go first on this one. As is tradition, I'm not surprised at all. Listen, Florida State is the better team. They are the more balanced team. They are playing at a higher level. They are the healthier team. They are at home. Uh, I would be... Maybe if you asked me four or five weeks ago, I would be worried about the mindset of this team based on how crushing the loss that they had against Florida last year. But with how businesslike and professional Mike Norvell have been over the past month, taking care of business, uh, I'm not worried about it. I think Florida is going to get their points. Anthony Richardson is talented. That running game is good. They are going to get points. But I think it's going to be sort of like a quasi-shootout, and Florida State is just too potent and they will force Richardson into some errant throws and into some mistakes just enough to where I think Florida State wins this game by a score of 45-27. to 27. Really comfortable, uh, really comfortable rivalry week win. I would be I, – I, I could maybe see Florida scoring a little bit more. It depends. Or obviously, this is a huge game for them, but I think Mike Norvell, we choke the rivals to death and we take that momentum, and we just roll it into early signing day and transfer portal season, baby. And we go and bowling. Oh, yeah, man. You're firing me up. Let's go. It's living good, man. Yeah, baby. Not mid over here. Not at all. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Nothing even close. Um, (laughs) Give it to me, Dane. All right. I I, I wrote down two scores, Trey, when you're you're talking. And I have a score – to where if I if you know Florida State does go in there and just handles business the way they have and what they can do against this team or what they probably will do if they you know if they really handled business I they could they could probably score as many points as they want to score I feel like <laughs> now you're gonna be fired up if it's that case uh, then I'm gonna go 45 to 20 and then if it's not like that if it is you know. You don't play as clean of a game as you want. The moment isn't isn't necessarily too big, but it's you know the rivalry kind of gets to you and gets to Florida. You know it's there's two two people dancing here. That's um, right. Then I'll say thirty-one to twenty. 
Florida State. So either way, like you said, maybe a turnover or two, amped up, personal. Like you said, like you said, the rivalry gets its its hooks in. We're still predicting a double digit win for Florida State. Yeah, seven uh, I, nine and a half point spread. I mean, Florida State's been really good. You know, if you're into betting stuff, like Florida State covers the spread like every week. Uh, it's nine and a half this week. I mean, I, Florida State's really good. They're they're a legitimately very good team, and Florida is not. I agree. Scared money, brave money. We don't care. We just want the Gators to go broke on Friday night, boys. That was another edition, the last regular season edition of Noel Thy Enemy. Stay tuned. The news is dropping fast and furious on Knowles247.com, and we will be there every step of the way. Overeat, stuff your face with turkey, stuff your face with starch. I prefer green bean casserole. I think it's severely underrated. But what's not underrated is you, our Knowles 24-7 listener. We love you. Gators suck. Keep chopping.